This is a When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bleacher Bunch production for the Fans First Sports Network. Please check out our other shows as well. Cup of Cubby Blue, Cubs, PS Plus, and the Sun Ranto Show. Play ball. Round the internet we go Where we end up no one knows Sit back and enjoy the show Down the baseball rabbit hole Baseball Rabbit Hole. Hello, and welcome to the third inning of the Baseball Rabbit Hole podcast. The podcast where I look up things about baseball on the internet and follow the rabbit holes that open. I was sitting around looking at baseball stuff, as I do, and I started looking at all the names of the Major League teams. I was sitting there thinking about which ones I liked the best, and I realized there were a lot less animal names than I had expected. Without looking, how many of the 30 teams in the MLB are named after animals? Okay, I'm not going to give you time to look it up. It's seven. Now, it was eight until Tampa Bay went all wishy-washy and changed from the Devil Rays, which was a fish, to just the Rays, which refers to sunshine, which is perfect for a team that plays its games in a dome that gets exactly zero Rays. Now, there are Diamondbacks, which are snakes, if you weren't aware, because they have a bobcat mascot. Uh, There are the Cubs, Tigers, and Marlins. And then there are three different bird types, the Cardinals, Blue Jays, and Orioles. And I really don't know how birds became such a popular choice for baseball teams, or really any teams. I mean, I guess it's fine you expect to see it once or twice, but three out of the seven animal names are birds that seems like a pretty high percentage but of course as i'm thinking about birds and teams and baseball it got me to thinking about what is probably the most famous bird incident in professional sports and now we are down the first rabbit hole it was march 24th 2001 and randy johnson with the diamondbacks at the time was pitching to Calvin Murray of the Giants. If you don't remember Johnson, he was a six foot, 10 inch fireballer who could get it up to 100 miles per hour back when there weren't three guys in every bullpen that could do that. On this fateful day, Randy Johnson dialed up a fastball and let it fly. Murray and catcher Rod Barajas were waiting for the pitch when there was a sudden explosion of feathers in between the mound and the plate. The ball had hit a dove in mid-flight and careened off course into the backstop. Brahas and Murray 
lost track of the ball. And they immediately started to backpedal and try and get out of the way of where they heard the impact of that ball. Because Randy Johnson throws the ball really hard. And if you don't know where that ball is, that's pretty scary. Although it looks like the bird absolutely exploded when it was hit by the ball, it was actually still intact, albeit super dead. The umpires ruled it a no pitch and they moved on with the game. Bird experts have estimated that this had about a 1 in 12 million chance of ever happening. That's a big number. But while I was researching this story, I found two other incidents of birds being hit by pitches. And this rabbit hole just headed east. Apparently, another bird got bashed in a game in Parkview Field in Fort Wayne, Indiana on July 5th, 2014. So much more recently. The Fort Wayne Tin Caps were playing the West Michigan Whitecaps in a high A minor league game. The Whitecaps pitcher, John Maciel, fired a baseball into Josh Van Meter of the Tin Caps. Partway to the plate, Maciel's fastball dove harder than normal down and inside to the batter. Catcher Grayson Grenier did a great job of handling the pitch into the dirt but immediately popped up to talk to the umpire because the ball had hit a bird. The ball had ricocheted off the bird and did not have the dramatic explosion like Randy Johnson's bird, which is probably why this isn't quite as famous. But something that had never happened in over 100 years of baseball had now happened twice in about 12 years. The announcers actually referenced the Johnson incident while calling the game. Unlike the spring training game, this was a regular season game and the pitch was not called off. The pitch remained a ball and the at-bat continued after the groundskeeper cleaned up the bird as if it was super normal for birds to get hit by pitches all the time. But it's not like the pitchers are the only ones hitting birds with baseballs. Position players and batters have gotten in on it as well. So, another older rabbit hole opened and I went right down. Before the Randy Johnson bird explosion, which I cannot believe isn't the name of an indie rock band, the most famous bird incident was the Dave Winfield Seagull incident in 1983. Winfield, the right fielder of the Yankees at the time, was warming up between innings in Toronto. When it was time to throw the balls back, instead of tossing it to the dugout, he blasted a seagull that had just landed on the field. The bird went down and the game was stopped for a few minutes while the grounds crew came out to retrieve the dead bird. Now, only fans in the stadium saw this because it was not caught on film and it probably would have been forgotten had Dave Winfield not been taken to the police station after the game and charged with animal cruelty. Yes, he was arrested. Winfield claimed it was an accident and the charges were dropped later. But I can't help but wonder if the Toronto police were trying to mess with the star outfielder of the Yankees just to get him off his game. Now, I don't know if I believe that he hit that bird on accident. He probably did throw at it, but he just didn't think he'd hit it. Now, speaking of hits, I followed the Seagull Trail to Cleveland for an incident involving Coco Crisp, Shinsu Chu, and another Seagull which is one of the greatest sentences I might ever write. This last bird bashing took place in June of 2009 at Progressive Field in Cleveland, 
With the game tied at 3-3 in the bottom of the 10th, Shinsu Chu hit a liner up the middle of the field towards Royals center fielder Coco Crisp. Crisp was charging the ball to see if he could make a play on Mark DeRosa, who was heading home from second base. But there was a flock of seagulls between him and the ball. Crisp would not get the chance to extend the game because the ball hit one of the seagulls and deflected past him all the way to the wall. Now, Coco went a bit cuckoo about the interference. <laughs> Sorry, that had to be done. But the umpire crew chief explained that a ball that hits a bird is still live if it lands in fair territory. So Cleveland walked it off on the back of a seagull, who, unlike the other birds I've talked about, was able to recover from this hit, and he flew away. If you start to run the rabbit holes after birds, you end up coming across other animals in baseball. And when we come back, I'll take you down another rabbit hole filled with goats, squirrels, and monkeys. Hey, this is the part of the show where I would normally tell you, go to my Patreon and support the show. But here's the thing. I screwed up the Patreon one time, so I went back to do it again. And when I was doing it, I thought to myself, I really shouldn't be doing a Patreon because I don't put these shows out very often. And it really just doesn't seem to make sense. So... If you really want to support the show monetarily, hit me up on PayPal or Venmo at mcotton2019. That's the same for both of them. And you can give me money there if you'd like. Otherwise, if you really want to do something Patreon style, go to Patreon for Sonranto, S-O-N-R-A-N-T-O. And that's where I do my other podcast. You can give money there and that would also support what I do. Thank you. Now back down the rabbit hole. Baseball has always been a sport full of superstitions, and animals have been both good luck and bad luck charms. As I was traveling through this animal rabbit hole, I happened across a few stories about this phenomenon. Most recently, the St. Louis Cardinals had a rally squirrel that is enshrined upon their 2011 World Series rings. The squirrel is there for supposedly helping them beat the Philadelphia Phillies en route to winning that championship. The Cardinals were facing elimination in Game 4 of the Best of 5 Division Series that year when the rally squirrel became a thing during a skip Schumacher at bat. The squirrel raced on the field in the fifth inning and ran directly across home plate on the way to the seats just by the Phillies' dugout. Phillies pitcher Roy Oswalt threw up his hands to indicate that the squirrel had interfered with him pitching. Umpire Angel Hernandez had called the pitch a ball, but the Phillies manager, Charlie Manuel, came out to argue for a no pitch so they could do it over. Hernandez said no. Schumacher eventually flew out and it did not hurt Oswalt. Despite the fact that the Cardinals were in the lead at the time and they did not score in that inning, the best fans in baseball created the Rally Squirrel. They even claimed that a squirrel that showed up for Game 5 in Philadelphia in the Phillies' bullpen was the same squirrel. And now they claim any squirrel that ever shows up at a Cardinals game is the Rally Squirrel from 2011. This seems insane, but I don't think you can really have a superstition and let common sense get in there at all, right? It's a superstition. 
there was another rally animal that actually did have its debut in a rally situation. And this rabbit hole goes out west. But this time, I'm chasing a monkey. On June 6, 2000, with the Angels down 5-4 to four to the Giants in the bottom of the ninth inning, the scoreboard operators at the Big A in Anaheim put up a video of a monkey jumping around with the words, Rally Monkey, flashing on the screen. The Angels actually did score two runs to walk it off, and all of a sudden, the Rally Monkey was born. It created such a stir in that game that the Angels actually hired the monkey that was on Friends and filmed a few Rally Monkey segments with that monkey. Now, whenever the Angels need a boost, a monkey video set to the song Jump Around by House of Pain comes on the scoreboard. The Rally Monkey's greatest claim to fame came on the biggest stage at the 2002 World Series with the Angels again playing the Giants and facing elimination. The Angels were down five runs in the bottom of the seventh when Jump Around blasted through the speakers at the field and the Rally Monkey showed up on the big board. The Angels proceeded to score six runs in that inning and they forced a game seven, which they eventually won. Despite actually sparking a real rally that led to a World Series victory, the poor monkey is not on their World Series rings because who would really do that? Come on now. Now, we are going to switch gears here a little bit from two animals that rallied their teams to World Series victories to an animal that supposedly stopped a team from going to the World Series for 71 years. And now the rabbit hole is taking us back to the Midwest. There was a time when everyone knew the story of the goat that cursed the Chicago Cubs. But since their World Series victory in 2016, the only bad luck the Cubs seem to have now is a bad case of rickets. Anyway, the story of the curse of the billy goat is this. In 1945, William Billy Cyanus bought a ticket for himself and his goat Murphy to the World Series. When he was not allowed to have the goat inside of Wrigley Field, he put a curse on the team that they would never play another World Series in Wrigley Field, which led to the Cubs not returning to the World Series until 2016. Now, what you may not know about this story is that the Cubs did not deny admission to the goat. The goat had a ticket, and Sienna's was allowed to take the goat into the game. It wasn't until the other fans started complaining of the smell that security came over and told Sienna's he had to take Murphy outside. That was when Billy Sienna's cursed the Cubs. So he didn't curse the Cubs because they wouldn't let his goat in. He cursed the Cubs because, rightly so, they kicked the goat out. I'm not going to get into whether or not that curse was real or fake. That's just a rabbit hole way too big for this episode, or really maybe any episode, because it would take forever. Or maybe it's just so ridiculous but that I don't really want to go into it. But the day the Cubs did finally make it back to the World Series was on the 46th anniversary of Billy Cyanus' death. So make of that what you will. And I also have to report, the Billy Goat did actually make it on the Cubs' 2016 World Series rings. Yes, 
it is it may not be quite as ridiculous as adding a rally squirrel that didn't really even do anything for your team and immediately gets put on the ring versus a bad luck goat that became part of the lore of the team. Yeah, I mean, I love the goat on the ring, but I can also see how it is a little ridiculous to put a bad luck curse charm sort of thing on your ring. But everybody really should know I am definitely team goat over team squirrel any day of the week. Now that we have made it through birds affecting games and various animals affecting championships, I have one last animal to tell you about that has affected the game more than any other animal ever have. But that will be after the break. Animals have impacted the game a number of times in baseball's long history. But exploding birds and good luck charms have actually had a much smaller effect than this next animal. In fact, this next animal was so influential, it not only changed baseball, but it changed all of sports broadcasting ever since it happened. You are probably aware of Carlton Fisk's famous walk-off home run from the 1975 World Series. It has been replayed a thousand times over the years. And if you don't know about that home run, it's kind of surprising you're even listening to this baseball podcast. But if you haven't seen it, go to YouTube, look it up. 1975 Carlton Fisk's home run. It's the clip where Fisk yanks the ball right down the left field line towards the green monster. It had the height and it had the distance, but it was not clear if the ball would stay fair. Now, Fisk did not run to first base. Instead, he slowly moved towards first as he watched the ball and waved his arms to try and just by pure force of will make that ball stay fair. The ball ended up hitting the foul pole for a walk-off home run, forcing a Game 7 with the Cincinnati Reds. Now, the Red Sox did not win Game 7 because they were also cursed to not win World Series until the new millennium, I guess, is when everything reset. But the shot of that home run remains one of the most influential shots in baseball and sports history. And... I'm about to tell you why and how it happened. What you are unaware of during that moment is that there was a rat on the foul pole and the ball killed the rat. Okay, I'm just kidding. That is not actually what happened. But with all the bird death getting hit by balls, I thought maybe that's what you were expecting. That is not what happened. Actually, there was a rat though. It was in one of the camera boxes sitting with Lou Gerard. Now, just before the pitch, Gerard had a conversation with his producer explaining that he had a rat right next to his leg and it was staring at him. He would not be able to make any sudden movements to his right. This is a bad thing because that was the flight of the ball. So instead of trying to follow the flight path of the ball, which was the normal thing to do in these situations, he kept his camera pointed at Carlton Fisk and slowly moved to the left, away from the rat, instead. 
As Fisk was waving his arms and moving towards first base, he captured it all. And this was the first time that a camera had captured this angle of a hitter celebrating a home run. Or trying to will a home run to happen and then celebrating it. You know what I'm talking about. It blew the minds of everyone watching the game. To be able to see Carlton Fisk's joy and excitement in that moment was everything that people wanted out of sports. They just didn't realize that they had been being robbed of this by watching the ball go over the fence every time. Lou Girard actually won an Emmy for the now iconic shot of Fisk and all the fans going crazy behind him as the ball hit the pole. And from that moment on, there's been at least one camera in every game focused on hitters to capture their reactions to home runs. It permeates all aspects of sports broadcasting as cameras try to capture players' reactions and the emotions and all the stuff that goes on with them as the events are happening around them. So every Sammy Sosa hop or Jordan shrug or Cody Parkey staring at the ground with his hands on his knees after the double doink can trace its origin to that one moment when a cameraman did not want to get attacked by a rat at Fenway Park. And with that, I'm going to climb out of this rabbit hole and end this episode. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, keep rounding those bases. You're out! And here is the box score for this episode. Uh, it was written by me, Michael Cotton. It was produced by Michael Cotton. It was performed by Michael Cotton. It was edited by Michael Cotton. But I do need to give a shout out to Chris Salato for sending me down the Randy Johnson exploding bird rabbit hole. Thank you for the idea, Chris. And if anybody else has any ideas, feel free to hit me up if you have some ideas for a good rabbit hole. And now that I've acknowledged that Chris Salato helped me out with this idea, let me also acknowledge... Danny Rocket for this excellent theme song. Take it away, Danny. Round the internet we go, where we end up no one knows. Sit back and enjoy the show. Down the baseball rabbit hole. Down the baseball rabbit hole.